We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Clyde, it's our last game together this season. Once again, great to work with you uh, throughout the year. Can't wait to do it again next season after you are inducted into the Hall of Fame for a second time. Thanks, Kenny. I enjoyed it as well, man. Been a lot of fun as McBride will dribble out the clock. Three games remaining for the Knicks. They win their fourth straight on the road. Thanks for all the Snickers, Kenny. You got me through <laughs> halftime. I think tonight was the first time I forgot one. <laughs> Well, we didn't need it. We had a lot of adrenaline from the Knicks tonight, so. <laughs> it's one of Clyde's only vices, this halftime Snickers bar. <laughs> Knicks win it by 30. It matches their biggest margin of victory. Twice in March, they defeated Portland and Dallas by 30 points. 30 here in Orlando tonight. Knicks fans, how you doing? It's your boy, Jonathan Macri. Oh, I can't even say my name. It's been that kind of a year. It's your boy, Jonathan Macri, with you for another live episode uh, slash post-game live stream uh, of the Knicks Film School podcast. Uh, we have a lot to get to as this season is mercifully drawing to a close. This is the first time that I have spoken to Jeremy um, since uh, the Knicks shockingly shockingly did not complete their last gasp uh, play in slash playoff push. Um, so I will start as I always do by welcoming Mr. Cohen aboard and asking you, sir, how are you doing? I'm doing great, John. That was a, a thunderous beatdown, which is nice, especially since the magic stole two out of three earlier. So it felt good to Swiped. see thievery. Yeah. Thievery. Exactly. Yes. Uh, so it was nice to see the Knicks actually beat an opponent that they're most certainly better than, especially with this skeleton crew that Orlando was throwing out as they are um, developing. I guess we could, we could massage that word a bit. Um, yeah, it, you know, you, you, you open, you, you might be opening Pandora's box there with like, um, what, 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 what is development, right? Um, what counts saw, as development? <laughs> sorry. No, I, we saw it on one side of the court and it looked pretty nice. And we saw the other side yeah. that's hoping for ping pong balls. So I'll take the one that uh, came out victorious and looked pretty good. 
For sure. Yeah. Um, this was a, it was a nice, I think it was a nice feel good win. Um, you know, for a lot of reasons, um, it was nice to see, it was nice to see the young players that we've been rooting for all season and rooting for to play more minutes, um, actually play, uh, some, some substantial minutes. And I, I was actually, it's funny. I was watching this game, Mitchell Robinson, Obi Toppin, Emmanuel quickly and RJ Barrett, RJ Barrett. We, Good game might be a little bit, it might be a little bit kind, right? To say that RJ Barrett had a good game tonight. Um, it's better. <laughs> it, was, it was better that, well, couldn't have done much worse than it was yesterday. Um, he was okay, right? He ended up with whatever, however many points he ended up with, 20 some odd points, close to 30. Yet another game in which he's close to 30 points on a lot of shots. But look, that's what this last three months has been for him, learning how to be a number one option and occasionally it looking pretty messy um, when he, when he, tries to go about that. Um, it's fine Four four young players, four good to very good games. How many times have we seen four Knicks have a good game in the same game? This I'm year? not sure, especially consider like how many Knicks were under the age of 25 when it happened. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Cause they, they all seem to be hired guns, which is fine. Cause that's what you pay them to do. But no, like we have not seen this type of performance in, very long time as far as I can remember. Um, as I pull up our live stream and I um, hit mute. Um, see, it didn't make as much noise as last time, Andrew. Um, yeah, we're going to get to the Super Chats in, in just a minute. Um, before we before we get there, though, um, I didn't get a chance to comment on yesterday's game, uh, the Cavs game. Um, and obviously, neither did you. Any any impressions you want to throw out there before we before we get into stuff for for the post game? I'll be transparent. Uh, I was busy during the game and I had not had the opportunity to watch it, so you didn't miss much. That's what I've heard. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about when to consider it into my schedule, and it just didn't happen today. Today was actually you know do my taxes, clean my apartment, do things that were more important than watching a slugfest with the Cavs, but my understanding uh, just from being a box score reader, which I really don't like to do, but in this situation, um, I'll at least put my input and then let you expand since I'm sure you did see the game. Um, it gets to a point where the ability to continue starting and playing Alec Burks over Emmanuel quickly. I want to give him him being Thibodeau, the benefit of the doubt, and that this is some sort of like motivational tactic and he's getting quick to come off the bench and be a spark plug and grow. And, and, you know, I should be out there. I should be starting and doing this. But the reality is it's, that's just not the case. It's just stubbornness. And it's, I'm glad that he had the opportunity to get his first career triple double tonight. And I'm glad Alec Burks played well too, but plus uh, body just tweeted out plus 44 in 32 minutes. Yeah. But it's also the sort of thing where you can't talk about numbers. And I've talked about this before. You can't talk about numbers and how important they are and then say something that's against the numbers that would indicate that quickly is the right choice. And he is the right choice. But for whatever reason, Tibbs just doesn't see it that way. So it's just disappointing when, when again, it, it feels like gaslighting. It's a microcosm. Yeah, no, the last two days, the last two games have been a microcosm of the next season in a lot of ways. Um, you know, I've been, I've been spending more time and I did like kind of my, my eulogy slash postmortem on the year uh, after they were officially eliminated when the Hawks won on 
I think it was Thursday. What was it Thursday night? Yeah, Thursday night. Um, I'm like, I have a lot of thoughts about the year and I'm like, I'm starting to coalesce them into some kind of a larger picture in terms of like decisions not made um, when the decisions that were made to go and or stick with a certain direction. Like, was there a reasonable alternative? What was the reasonable alternative? How, how soon should different decisions have been made? And it's like, we have all these little segmented parts of the season, right? Where it's like, we had, the Kemba benching and then Burks and then Kemba's back. And then like, it always, and you know, the Julius of it all. And now Julius is finally benched, you know? Um, and it's just like the, the, the overall theme to me, at least that ties it together is it was very clear from early on. We just watched the magic tonight. I mean, game three, right. When it's like, something's a little off in the water. I don't know what it is. Um, that that something was was not quite working um, with what they wanted to do. And instead of going outside the box, many people, by the way, would not consider the decisions that we're talking about to be outside the box, right? They're, they're very much like within the box. But for Tom Thibodeau, at least, instead of going outside the box and trying some different things, it's like, no, we're going to stay safe. We're going to stay committed. And look, we're going to look up and like, Tonight was the Knicks, I believe it was their 35th win of the year. Um, yeah, this was their 35th win of the year. They have three games left, right? So they could end up with 36, 37, 38 wins, somewhere in that range. Like, okay, you accomplished your goal, right? You did not have, I mean, obviously they didn't make the plan, but like you did not have a disastrous, like you did not have a record-wise disastrous season in the way that we know that this franchise is capable of having disastrous seasons. And I don't have to refer any fan who's over the age of like 25 to some of the things that have happened and transpired here over the last 20 years. And those seasons have been ugly for lots of reasons, but I'm not sure that what we got this year. And again, this is part of the reason why I defend Tibbs because he's, he's a coach that's capable of like, even when it seems like everything's going wrong, you're going to look team is like respectable at the end of the day, there were missed opportunities here. There were missed opportunities. And, and and to me, you saw it tonight and he had a triple double with Emmanuel quickly, you know, his first of his career and just like looking the part of like maybe not a great starting point guard in the NBA, but certainly the best starting point guard for this team. And you wonder, you know, you wonder, could that decision have been made 20 games ago? Could that decision have been made 40 games ago? Could that decision have been made before the season started? Let's say they never went the Kemba route and we don't have to get into that. But like just all things that I've been thinking of, the more I watch him produce and yet, you know, we continue to get um, the veterans playing big minutes. And um, that is a decision that is being made. It, it's frustrating. Is it going to wind up mattering big time in the long run? I, I, I don't really know. Maybe. Um, do you think so? I'll, I'll ask you that and then we can go to the super chats. Like, do you, like we've complained about all manner of things, others more than me, related to Thibodeau and his decision making this season. Do you think that those decisions, other than frustrating the hell out of the fan base, do you think that they will actually materially matter long term in terms of this organization's ability to, you know, win games? Well, I'll wait to eulogize a little bit more. I know you'll write in your newsletter, and I think next week we'll probably put a cap on the season. But at least in terms of the development aspect, it feels more like a warning sign for Tibbs presuming he stays on next year because like we have seen him rely so heavily on his starting unit and sure the bench sees minutes, but it's like 
when you're playing Alec Burks, the what the most minutes for like any of the MVP candidates, like he's stretched so thin. A ton. It's ridiculous. And it's like, okay, well, what does that mean for next year? If you are here, how does that impact it? So it's less like, in my opinion, how maybe missing out on like 30 minutes over, let's say an eight game span, for example, impacts players. But it's also interesting that Ryan Archidiakono, who I do not see as a mainstay here, at least certainly not in the rotation, <laughs> Nor do I. is seeing significant minutes yesterday. And yet Deuce McBride can't seem to get much time off the pine regardless. Well, that and was a little bit funky because they were like, sure, but, but even yeah. still like th- there was something about it that, that irked me in a way. It was like, you have something here. You, you don't have to like, you don't have to, it, it shouldn't have had to get to this point, right? Like there are other today was worse. Just windows. to be clear, like game yeah. flow yesterday and like foul situation, I had a little bit to do with that today playing Alec Burks, the entire first quarter and Deuce not getting off the bench until a minute and a half or so into the second quarter. Like that's the thing that has people being like, come on, you, you are gaslighting us now, as you said. Right. And it's not, I mean, it's nothing against Arch Diakono. It's the man who's deploying the minutes. It's just, I don't quite understand what his logic is because if he uses his head for play the best players the to win the games, Jeremy, sure. Play the best. But then for, best a lot of that is like game. gut reaction. And oftentimes yeah. just statistically, our gut reaction isn't correct. Like across the board, that's the numbers are what often paves the way. And the gut is oftentimes is going to go the opposite direction. And with Tibbs, if he's not going by the numbers, he's going by his gut and his gut is not going to necessarily be correct. And I don't, again, like this was a great win. I'm not trying to disparage Tibbs here. It's more just that like, we have seen enough games to understand what his mindset is. So it's not like, I don't see him ruining development opportunities for these players or stunting growth per se, but then you think about it, how that impacts them next year. Like it's not so much their long-term growth, like their primes are stunted because they're missing time. It's more just this team's ceiling is capped because of how he's deploying minutes. And if the ceiling is capped, then it's fewer winnable games that they have. Like how great would it have been for the next two until game 82 have been playing, knowing that they're going to be in the, in, you know, playing at least one more game would have been fantastic. Yeah. But we didn't get to that point. We didn't even get to game 80 where it's like, cool, let's keep trying. It was after Thursday's game. And and now we're left with like, well, let's try again next year. Let's see how we can retool. And it's just frustrating because this, I look at the teams that are ahead of the Knicks and I fervently believe that they could eclipse one of them, just one of them. I think that's fair. Um, I mean, look, and to be clear, then we'll get to the super chats after this. Um, Emmanuel quickly is going to play a, almost 1800 minutes this year. He's going to play a lot of minutes. Like he he was not stunted. And I think the alternative, the the devil's advocate to your point is that, well, you know, making quickly continue to come off the bench and like not handing him the starting job, put aside like whether he actually earned the starting job or not, but like continuing to kind of keep him in a more limited role may have actually helped his development because he's putting him in situations where he could be successful. And by the way, even in that backup role for a, 20, 30 game stretch in the middle of the season when he was shooting the ball particularly well, like you could argue that maybe that was actually helping him because he wasn't actively hurting the team, but he also wasn't like really helping the team. And yet he still continued to get those minutes. So like, I think there's different parts of the argument there. Um, And you could say that like, okay, we all want to see the kids more. Well, you know, that means that something's going right with the development, but there is a gray area between Tibbs is doing everything right. He's developing these kids perfectly. And like 
Tibbs is a madman. He doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Like, and I think the truth probably lies somewhere in between, as we've been saying, I think for, for a lot of the year and your, your mileage may vary on like which one of those extremes you, you, you uh, skew towards. But here's the crux of it. The most 11 played Emmanuel quickly duos. Every single one of them has a positive net rating. Yeah. The 12th one is Nerland's Noel. And it's like minus 0.3. But how much, but how much of that is I'm yeah, exactly. So it's, it's again, if you gave Tibbs true serum, he'd be like, yeah, exactly. I put my, I put my guys in situations in which they're successful, but you can't, he can't say that and then trot out a lineup that is like barely treading water. And then beforehand it's, when he had the whole even, Kemba thing and, and well, right. But that's, that's barely treading water. I mean, entering today's game where that was that, Starting five, yeah, with with Randall being out, it was yeah. it was net, it was completely zero, it was dead even. Yeah. So like you're hoping to push versus so like, that versus but you're like proving hit. you're proving the point, which is like if the ceiling for what your if your justification is a, is like this is the best, and the best is dead even mediocrity, then maybe that signals to you that like even if the alternative is not it has a as a possibility, maybe a strong possibility in your mind of not being the best, maybe it's still worth pivoting to based on where things are at this point in time, irrespective of whether or not it would be a better decision, like wins, losses, you know, points scored, points against, like whether or not it's the best decision, it's a worthwhile decision given all of the factors at play. I think that's what is the best argument. But he left meat on the bone. That's kind of the, the crux of it. It's the unknown. And now the Knicks are starving. And they're gonna die. <laughs> well, I don't the know that season, they're starving. The season's we, dead. Listen, we'll but. get into it more because I think there's there's as you have said yourself, a lot to be excited about, a lot to be hopeful for. And like, but I I understand from that from the perspective of like, could more have been done to continue to be in the play and race? And that's a very fair point. Okay, let's get to the super chats. Um, Anthony Sixo starts us off super duper mega max quickly and built him a statue, then a super then super max the statue. I was actually we were texting about this earlier today, or not earlier today, earlier. Um, a few days ago about what quickly's next contract is going to look like. And obviously a lot could happen next year and it quickly could start for a team that wins 50 games next year. Who the hell knows if I was to put money on it right now, I think four for 48 or maybe four for 52, something in that range feels like what he's going to get. Um, maybe a little bit higher. For I could quickly? see him for quickly. I could see him topping out at maybe four for, I could, could, could would it shock you? If they locked him up next summer for like the uh, oh your 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 stepbrother's contract, um, the um, the herder contract, <laughs> wouldn't shock. That's me. what you meant by stepbrother. Um, I, well, isn't I can't I'm blank. Herder's making like four sixty five, four four sixty four. That's to me right. quickly ceiling for what they will negotiate next summer in an extension. But then if you look at the rise in the salary cap, I think we could very easily be approaching closer to. Four seventy-five. Oh, you're, you're thinking he gets Brunson money, okay? But again, but we're we're taking the percentage that we're applying for Herder, for example, and applying it to the next one. So it's like the the average annual value is going to keep increasing. I, as I the cap yeah. Okay. So what? Let's say it starts out for Herder at like fifteen million, something like that, right? Yeah, probably. Then uh, that's a lot of math to do in my head, but I think it's closer to it'll be closer to twenty million if he keeps playing like this, because again, Herder is a quality rotation piece. That's for a younger player coming off of their rookie contract. That's kind of the market that you get. It's probably closer to like 15, 18%. And whereas worth it. 
Whereas Jordan Clarkson, who like last year won six man of the year is making, I think 13 a year. But again, like it's, that guy it's weird though, that, that he has once- topped out. And like, this is what he is. Whereas like Kevin Herter is like, right now, this is what he is. Maybe he keeps getting better. Which, which, which of those two lanes do the Knicks see quickly sliding into? And again, the role that they have him in right now, I think speaks to maybe they think he's in one lane and I'm not so, I'm not so sure. I think he might be in a different lane. Possibly. The thing about Clarkson is the deal he got most recently was his third contract because he, yes, like, I know. he was a second round pick. Then he got, paid um and then now he's getting paid again because sixth man with the second contract it's usually let's bet on potential and the third contract is either you're really good and we're going to pay you because you're really good or it's yeah like with clarkson you're a known quantity we understand what we're going to get for this money and, and here's what we'll give you that's why like i i still i think that he could very easily get to 75 million over four years just based on the way he's playing and based on the way that the salary cap is going i mean we're seeing it move from 100 and what 12 million to 122 it's going um, and then before you know it, I mean, fortunately for the Knicks, actually, quickly is going to get paid before the new new uh, TV, uh, TV deal, deal comes in, makes the CBA, uh, makes the salary cap go even higher. So yeah, I wouldn't rule out four four years, seventy five million dollars. Maybe it's not nuts. Um, but Anthony, your your supermax uh, suggestion is noted. Uh, Lunas Emirat at last vengeance on the checks notes magic. <laughs> yeah, man. I, at some point when I'm when I have some newsletters to fill up after the season, I will go through my ten not most like disappointing Knicks losses, but like the ten losses that really like define the season. Um, at least one of the magic losses will be in there, potentially both. Um, because man, like yeah, but that's I mean again the season in a nutshell. I don't really know what else there is to say. Um, Kevin Danishevsky chiming in early. As Danny said on the halftime, I think the biggest what if of the season might be if we started quickly at the 20 game mark. Love everything about him. So again, quickly went through a pretty hellacious shooting slump in the middle of the year, right around then, actually, as he was kind of figuring out the reins of or how to be, you know, have the reins of a team as the point guard. Um, You know, when Derek Rose went out with an injury, I think a lot of people would be like, well, Obi Toppin suffered the most. I think you could argue, at least initially, quickly kind of suffered the most. Now, I think in the long term, it may have been best for him because it forced him to figure out how to run a second unit. And we're seeing a guy now that everybody thinks should be the starting point guard of the Knicks. And it's not a ridiculous opinion based on the eye test, based on his individual numbers, based on the on-off stats, based on everything you could point to. Um, I, it's an interesting, what if it's an interesting, what if, what if they would have pivoted, pivoted to quickly as the starting point guard early, just to see what he could do. I don't know. Is it something you're going to wonder about? Maybe I think honestly, another, what if that kind of gets me, gets the gears churning a bit more is what if Derek Rose stays healthy? Oh, well then, but then it's like, but I'm not saying in terms of like the team and their record, I'm saying in terms of development, right? Like Quentin Grimes, isn't going to break through the, the rotation. Probably not. Most likely. Uh, quickly is probably going to be more of a secondary ball handler because Derrick Rose is going to take the reins. Now, of course, they can play off one, one another. It's not a huge issue, but it Rose's injury opened the door for quickly to basically do what he needed to do because they were, Tibbs wasn't going to trust Deuce and Kemba Walker was already with the starting unit and then he took Kemba out completely. Yeah. And 
Burke saw minutes starting. So if you have Rose in there, it's just a lot of cooks in the kitchen. And yeah, it would have been great to see quickly be elevated. I, I think the biggest thing quickly, yeah, as you were saying, John, his shot just wasn't falling towards the beginning. And a lot of people were very upset with that. And, you know, we're saying all sorts of things. And then later on, it's like, well, the playmaking is there. We're seeing the strides there. He's just not hitting shots. And it's like, how do you separate the guy who makes shots and can still play well versus the guy who's, you know, like making shots and playing well, there's got to be some sort of middle ground there. And the middle ground was, Hey, you know, maybe the shooting's not the best, but he's growing in the areas that you want him to do. We don't have to have this whole conversation of like, is he a point guard? Is he not a point guard? He is a player who's fantastic in the role he's going that he's in, who can hopefully graduate from that role as we are seeing before our very eyes, um, who just has such a positive impact on the players around him that it's worth continuing and it's worth seeing him growing. So uh, the discourse, like, I would have loved to have seen him start at the 20 point game, uh, 20 point the game, 20 mark. game mark. Yeah. But um, at the same time, I just wish he were more, he would have featured more prominently in general. There were times where it was much more of a push and pull. And I was like, you know, again, just let him fail. If he's going to fail, he'll learn from his mistakes and he'll keep growing, but that's in the past now. So, um, yeah, just on the shooting thing, like quickly has struggled shooting it this year. I want to be like fully upfront with that. Um, but if you go back now uh, a month and a half, so since February 16th, was February 16th the first, the last game before the All-Star break? Sounds about right. Okay. His effective field goal percentage since then is 558, which is, I mean, that's outstanding for a player of, of quickly's caliber. Um who still does not take a ton of shots on the rim, although he's getting better at that. Um, he is his, by the way, his assist percentage since then 25.8 against a 9.5 turnover percentage a respectable 22.6 usage. I mean, the numbers say that there's a real player here and um, you know, tonight he got his first triple double. Good for him. I don't really care about the triple double. I care about what we've been seeing. So yeah, it's, it's a good, it's a good, uh, Good problem to have, I guess. What what are you going to make quickly into moving forward? Um, Jessica, what's going on, Jessica? Um, awesome triple double from IQ. Some great shots from McBuckets. All in all, a fun preseason like game. It was not a preseason like game. It was a preseason game. <laughs> like let's let's be honest about what we just watched. Um, yeah, but it was fun. It was it was cool to see some stuff. I'm surprised. Well, I'll, I'll wait till somebody actually brings him up before I give Obi Top and his flowers. Uh, Hush Zoo. Nothing against Burks, but I hope he gets traded. This old man seriously can't help himself, but also Obi turns 25. It's time to give him a legit shot next year. Randall needs to get traded. Um, Yeah, I mean, Randall needs to get traded. Could have been a theme for every one of our last, I don't know, 15, 20 episodes of the show. Right? Yeah. Nothing is so much. So, like, as far as Obi, like <sighs> the Obi Randall dynamic, right? Which is like the Knicks have this player in Julius Randall. Great beer mug, by the way. You got, you got a little frosted beer mug. Thank you. Yeah. It's, uh, hey, Knicks you film school beer mug. I didn't even see that. I literally said that without seeing that was yeah, yeah. our beer mug. That's mm-hmm. fantastic. I just thought it was chilled. Um, Do you also notice that this is like of RJ? It's essentially a mug shot. Did that occur? It did not. Okay. I wish I was that smart. I, all right. I thought that was when you uh, when you and Ernie 
worked on it. I thought that was in mind. Sh- but shout out Jeremy, to our patrons, Jeremy. I'm not even kidding. When my mom got the mug, because she's a patron. Shout out to all of our patrons, by the way, who got this mug for being in the Ewing tier. Um, she thought it looked like a milk carton mug shot, like yeah. a miss. Like, has anybody seen where RJ Barrett is? Oh, I like I it. it. Don't get me wrong. I like it. It's it. I I, I like it too. Um, where was I going? Completely Obi. lost my train of thought. Oh, yes, Randall. the Obi Randall interplay in terms of how much does the decision making on one impact the decision making on the other and vice versa. If you put yourself in the mindset of the next front office for a minute, where, where do you think they're at with this? I think, well, we said this, I said this to you either on the post game last week or in one of the playbacks, but it went from like Julius Randall. Oh, what was it? Obi is making Randall expendable, but Randall's making himself expendable, expandable, expendable. My goodness. That is kind of the the mindset that I'm thinking of where you see someone like, yes, Obi is turning 25, but that's February of next year. So you've got this nice window of time where he's 24 years old. He's clearly progressing. Um, things are going well when he's in the lineup. And if Tibbs isn't going to play both of them, then it presents an interesting opportunity, which is you need to proceed with getting rid of one over the other. And, you know, we can talk about players that are out there. We can talk about all sorts of things. But in terms of like when you look at Randall and you look at Obi and what's around, it's very clear that the direction that this front office is playing, well, they're going the long con. That's what they're more focused on. And that's just not Julius Randall. And that's where it then comes in like, okay, well, like, what do you do with them? And we'll certainly approach that more in the offseason. But again, yes. if you're not going to play both of them together and Tibbs really isn't unless it's his last resort, then you've got to, you have a very interesting minutes dynamic because again, it's always been like 48 minutes minus what Julius Randall plays equals Obi Toppin. And if, yes. if Randall's going to like Randall cannot keep playing 32, 33 minutes when Obi is playing like this, because otherwise you're leaving him with 16, 17 minutes. It's he needs more. He just does. It's abundantly clear that some team out there, whether it's the Knicks or someone else, and Ian Bagley, I thought it was very interesting. You know, Ian, 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 picks his, Ian picks his spots interesting where he, where he drops these little little columns and it's never an accident. I'll just say mm-hmm. that. Um, where he's like, some team needs to see what Obi Toppin does with 25 to 30 minutes. Or, I, he didn't say that exactly, but like I'm, I'm, I'm saying it with 25 to 30, maybe even a few minutes more per game next season. Like what he has shown this year warrants that investment by some team. Every Nick fan out there that I know hopes it's the Knicks. That is the team that gives him that, that leash. Um, I hope it's the Knicks. Um, But at the same time, I wonder like if they try to, if they approach the Randall trade front and, and they just are stonewalled, which I know you don't think that they will be, if they do, and I tend to agree with you, although I, I wonder how high their prices um, or their required, you know, the price that they're 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 holding them at. Um, I don't know. Like Obi has to play into this conversation because you can't watch a guy do what he does and have the impact on the game that he does. And I know, like today was a meaningless game, and like the Cavs game to a certain extent was a meaningless game. Who cares? But like the guy has skills. The guy could do stuff. He's clearly a much more comfortable shooting now that he gets. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply time to be in rhythm, you know, and he doesn't worry that if he misses a three point shot, he's going to yank from the game. Uh, I, you know, I don't know. Um, I'm I excited. You, to, I'm sorry. I thought you were going in a different direction actually with, with what that Ian said. Well, because when Ian, he released his kind of mailbag video today and, Oh, I didn't even see that. He did. And one of the things that he said was that Julius Randall and his contract, that the value of what he brings is likely higher than that of how fans feel. And I felt seen because this is something that I have been adamant about. And I just, listen, I think that you can find a taker. What Ian basically said was that there are teams that are interested in Randall because they see how he's being used in New York and what he has to offer and that they have ways to go about changing that. And so I'm sure there are going to be some If he's willing. Of course, if he's willing. And and those teams have to ask themselves how willing he's going to be. Sure. But at the same time, um, if those teams feel compelled to make an upgrade, because this is the other thought process that I have going on in my head and not to bleed too much into future uh, offseason talking points. But if you look at specifically the unrestricted free agent class this year, it's shallow. It's, it's not very good. In terms As of Channing Fry said on the spot. Poo-poo. Yeah. Right. So when you consider that, and then if you imagine Julius Randle placed with that free agent group, the fact that trading him won't hard cap you seeing what you have out there, knowing that there are trades that you have to make in order to upgrade your team because the free agent market is just not there. That helps plan in New York's favor a bit. And that's why it goes back to what Ian's saying, which is that it is a much more neutral value contract than a lot of fans seem to think. Because uh, when we focus, it's when it's the only thing we see, yep. our blinders are on. We, you know, the grass is always greener and all, all these other, you know, euphemisms you could use. But for, for Julius Randall, you don't have to worry about his next contract. He's locked. I know that some fans might think like, well, that's clearly a problem because his contract's an albatross. No, it's not. It's 21% of the salary cap next year. It's going to be even lower the year after that. Uh, it's going to be lower after that. You're getting good value. But again, it goes back to what team is, is in need of a Julius Randall type player and how he will be used and how Julius wants to be used. Um, comparing a potential Randall trade to what I'm about to bring up, it's not even apples. It's forget apples to apples. It's probably not even apples to oranges. 
But I will just say a player named Ben Simmons who didn't want to take a layup in the playoffs last year was traded for James Harden. And it's again, don't don't kill me for like making the comp. But like the point is what you could look at a guy and be like, oh, his value is dirt. It's never going to get higher. It could it's you know, you'll always find a team or a couple teams that are yeah. going to look at that guy and see, see things differently. Um, okay. From Jeremy E. Jeremy's tough on me here. Stop hating on RJ, John. He's allowed a bad game yesterday after elimination, meaningless game. He also has, he was also fine today. I look, I'll, I'll give myself a shout out um, to the newsletter that I did this week on RJ's contract extension, potentially. Um, the reason I bring up the game yesterday and the reason I say today wasn't necessarily a great game is, and this is not just me that this is, this is when you, when you look at the quote unquote disrespect for RJ around the league, it comes from two places. It comes from the fact that he has no perimeter game to speak of in terms of like real gravity behind the three point line, other than as a spot up threat. Um, And he's just generally not efficient. And these are real, concerns that people around the league have. And that's why like nobody thinks of him as a max player around the league. Like Nick fans, some of them think of him as an ax player. I would be comfortable if they signed him to a max contract as I know you would be too, Jeremy. Um, And because he means a lot to us and he means a lot to the Knicks and like for all those reasons, but just in terms of like on court stuff, anytime you have RJ inefficiency, it's like, just like a reminder and which is why I didn't open the show being like, oh, my God, we need to like go crazy about RJ Barrett being three for 13 or whatever he was. It's just like, OK, it's just another reminder that he's 21 and he has a long way. You know, he has a, he has a long way. He has a little bit of ways to go. Right. A little bit of ways to go. That's all that I, you know, was I unclear about that or am I being unfair? You you tell me. No, I mean, I I liked the newsletter that you had. I thought it was very well written and in depth. And I agree. Yes, I would give RJ Barrett the max because I believe in the ability to improve. Um, we've seen it from off season, off season. We know the determinations there. And when you look at the salary cap and, you know, peaking it, it's much better. It's to me, it's like, I would rather place the long-term bet on a wing who can do all sorts of great things yes. to impact winning than arguably any other position like point guard. Sure. But to me, I just, I generally love the archetype of like, if you're not, a great, if you don't have a great wing, you're probably not going to get as far as you need to go. Yep. And it's it like, it starts there for me and, and you know, every team's different, but that that's my personal preference. And if you're going to have a wing, who's going to be kind of inefficient for his career. Um, I'm not saying that RJ is, but just if, if get a guy who lives at the rim and gets to the free throw line, like it's like he's drinking water. You know, um, and those are two things that RJ Barrett is always going to do and he's only going to get better at. And um, which is why, again, I'm comfortable with it and I don't mind the efficiency nearly as much as some people. I do think he needs to start hitting pull up jumpers at some point, just a little bit. Keep defenses honest. OK, um, Hush Zoo, I'm going to love this question. In all honesty, would you guys be able to consistently do the podcast slash post game show if we had both Westbrook and Randall on this team? Um, not sober. Um, hey, Jeremy, I'm gonna say hush, Zoo. <laughs> I can't do it. I'm not gonna do it. I'm not even gonna entertain the question. Andrew is losing his shit. 
Andrews was shit. That's fed. That's that might no. be the no <laughs> yes 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 you missed it because i'm while you guys are talking about this basketball team the chat is asking me about morbius and i <laughs> i dropped a i'd rather have lesbius in the chat and mm. they've been giving wow. me support. i'm pretty sure you're about to get even worse for it i hope hope so at least um, I'm I'm halfway through the uh shout out final review i'm halfway through the um pod and I will be listening through the spoiler section because I'm not seeing this film. Yeah, there's no, we didn't even like say, okay, get ready. We're going to the spoiler section. It's like, I don't want you guys to go see this. We're going to spoil the movie. Yeah, the so. tone of the pod, big fuck this shit. It's really uh, bad. Love it. It's really, really bad. Yeah, uh, I'll say when it comes to TV. Um, Ryan Huang, I'm a bit upset that this couldn't happen sooner, but still happy that Redacted is iced and the kids are showing out. Miss the play in live stream, but thanks KFS for keeping me sane this season. You're very welcome. And we appreciate you always chiming in on these things. Um, everybody who always chimes in, everybody comes and watches. Um, it means the world to us in terms of, so this is another thought that I had a lingering thought watching yesterday, watching today. And somebody asked me about this last one of the post games this week. And I'll ask you, Jeremy, is just envisioning a world where like <laughs> Julius Randall didn't exist this season. And I guess the reason I'm asking is because, Let's imagine a world where Julius Randle doesn't exist on this team next season. Let's say, again, I know we don't think that this is the trade that's going to happen, but let's say they trade him for, you know, Eric Bledsoe in a pick, right? And and the Knicks wave Eric Bledsoe, or the Knicks, whatever. They, they put him on the bench. You know, they don't use him. And essentially what we have next season is, you know, give or take a young player. Maybe they make a trade, whatever. But this general framework. And let's say they bring in one other veteran to, to, to offer a little bit of gravity, whether it's by trade with Randall, whatever. But like for the most part, you're getting these six, seven, eight kids, maybe add in a player that they pick. Like, I think what we've seen this weekend is going to be a lot of what, like it's going to be some highs, it's going to be some lows. And I think you're going to get a team that's probably going to win about how many te- games this team is going to wind up winning this year, maybe a little bit less. Do, do you materially disagree with that? I don't. I will say this. Randall has obviously deserved the criticism that he has warranted. There's something to be said of the role that he plays in terms of taking and absorbing that criticism where he is effectively like a criticism meat shield. And we can just like attack him and we can, we can say, you know, like I can't believe he didn't do this or that, blah, blah, blah. If you take that away and you just have the kids and maybe a couple veterans sprinkled in, and they start losing. Next, we'll go to Tibbs, and rightfully so, right? I mean, to me, they're like you can't talk about one without talking about the other this season. But in terms of like on the court, I'm a little concerned if Randall's gone and the Knicks haven't traded him for like an actual upgrade <clears throat> along with other pieces that people then start to, uh, you know, sick the kids. Well, it's about and, roles, right? Because like sure. Randall occupies the number one dog on his role, and you, Jeremy Cohen. More than anybody else, have sat here on this podcast and said repeatedly, correctly, we would be looking at him differently if he were in a different role. My only pushback consistently against that is how much does he want to be in a different role, which maybe we'll find out next well, it's year. Valid. It's it, yeah, but your point is nonetheless well taken because once he disappears, well, then you need a new number one, and then R.J. Barrett is your new number one, right? So then you need a number a new number two, and like. How does Emmanuel quickly network whoever it might be? Look as a number two. How does Obi Toppin look as like and it goes it, it just keeps going on and up? So like 
Whereas Rand, Julius Randle has been, I would say, unequivocally the worst number one in the league this year, maybe second worst, whatever, but he's in the bottom. He does still occupy that role. And that's, I think, what you're you're hitting right here. Yeah. I also look no further than the two games he missed during COVID. Granted, there were other players that weren't there. The Knicks were I mean, depleted. A lot of teams were. But if you look at those games, like just think back to what some of the criticisms were. I mean, it was staggering in yeah. terms of and they were losing. And it was like, well, what are you going to do? Because Randall's not playing. And you need that type of player to absorb not just the criticism, but also be higher usage. So the attention by the defense is taken aback a little bit. And like that's RJ's operating as a first option, which is great. But you also, at least in my opinion, need to upgrade at one of the positions in the starting lineup because of the fact that you then need to be able to say like, you got RJ, you got whoever this guy is who can command the attention of the defense and let like life be easier for everyone around them. Yep. That's why to me, it's not just like get rid of Randall and like, you know, it, it's a sunk cost. Do whatever you can to offload yeah. them. You have yeah. to find the right deal. No, it's, it's the responsible, it's a responsible decision. Um, I don't always like being responsible. Uh, Joe Vogel, what's up, Joe? I think we need to go the other way rather than chasing the play in next year. Trade Randall, starting lineup of IQ, RJ, Grimes, or Reddish, Obi, and Mitch. I, look, I don't think that's what you, the lineup you're going to see is. Do I think that there would be? Like, man, the currency that that would show me that Leon Rose has with James Stolen, if Leon Rose is like, we're going to we're going to trot out as this like this group, you know, um, I'd have a lot of respect for it. I would love it. I would love because like literally whatever would happen, it's like they surprise and win. I don't know. And screw around and maybe compete for the play in. Great. They win 28 games and like they get the fifth spot in the lottery. Okay. There's logic to that too. At least you're theoretically doing some good stuff along the way. Um, I don't, you don't think there's a prayer that that happens. Do you? No. It doesn't. And let's, I mean, realistically, right. It would be great in theory, but we're looking at a team that made the playoffs last year. They missed the playoffs this year. Next year, they're going to take another step back. And if they're offloading Randall, it's going to be for a player who either isn't good period because they're not going to be in the starting lineup uh, or it's going to be for someone who is good, but is often injured enough where they're not even really going to play. And then it's like the, the whole, the game that you got to play. If you are Leon Rose is how do I keep taking incremental steps to get to where I need to eventually be? Yeah. If you trade Randall for something that's like future assets and a bloated contract that doesn't really help you, what you're saying to James Dolan is I'm giving the fans in year three of my tenure, the worst product that they have ever seen under our administration yeah. and hope for the best in terms of picking in the lottery. And the truth is that the Knicks probably have more talent to get them further away. Like in my mind, if you take away Randall and you have this team playing, and as you said, John, they're probably in a similar spot. Let's say they are in a similar spot. Are fans going to be happy if the Knicks finished with the eighth pick overall and all these young players. Some might say yes. Some might say, hey, you know, they're they're growing. They make some improvements. Others might say, well, once again, classic Knicks, you're half-assing it, right? Because you're not making the playoffs. You're not the worst team. Your lottery odds are okay, but they're not as great. Sure, there are teams that have won being the seventh, the eighth ah. worst teams going to the lottery. Yeah. But it's it's a huge risk and you have to keep growing. You have to keep building and just 
realistically speaking, this team is going to take a step forward, whether it's a small step or a big step, but it's not going to be trading Randall and then kind of retreating back into the standings to hope that you get further into a top pick and a great draft. I'll say this. We all know what their goal is. Their goal is to trade for Donovan Mitchell or Zion Williamson or, or both, I guess, you know, maybe throw in another name or two in there. Like we know that that's what Leon Rose wants to do. Leon Rose, this is not a five-year plan or, I mean, it is, but not, not the type that you, that usually refers to um, like running out of just again, quickly, RJ cam OB and Mitch. That's not trotting out, you know, Emmanuel Moody and like no. Damien, no, no shade on Damien dots. I love Damien dots, but like Damien dot, like that's, there's a lot of pedigree there. There's a lot of like, guys who have produced at this level in big games in big moments. Like, I don't know. I, it's, but how I, many, it's not, how many teams have really trotted out a lineup of five players, all of whom have like four of them will have basically still, will still be on their yeah. rookie contracts. And the fifth will be and, Mitchell and Robinson, Mitch, yeah. who will yeah. have just been extended it. Like we saw the Knicks lose coincidentally to this Orlando magic team earlier in the season that played the youngest lineup in NBA history. And what is their record? Worst. They are the worst team in the league. I'm yeah. not saying that they are. Yeah, but I'm this, not trying to say that this team. We is, have more is talent. Short, legitimate but, talent. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I'm not disagreeing, but it's it's nice to have this idea that you know play the kids, start the kids. The reality is that if you're looking at this team, they're going to play at least one veteran, like an Evan Fournier type, yeah. um, and they'll probably want to bring in someone who's more of a four than like Cam Reddish is, or like Cam. I'd love for him to win a starting spot in the rotation. Yeah. But he needs to win it from that player. You can't just give it to him because like we've seen some nice uh, highlights and we've seen some major drawbacks. And uh, I kind of just want to see him grow. And if he can steal that role, great. Yeah. But he's probably not going to steal it. And we're talking about Tibbs here. Like if Tibbs is still here, what are real like do we have negative yeah. odds on, no, on the, these five the, playing? <laughs> I'll say this. I think if you if you swap out IQ for like Malcolm Brogdon. Or for for example, just as a name that we've we've heard tossed around as possible, like I'd give you some odds on that. I do I, like Brogdon, RJ, Reddish, or Grimes, Obi, and Mitch. I don't think there's a I don't think there's a zero percent chance that 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 lineup gets sent out there. I wouldn't say zero, but again, it, we know Tibbs likes to rely on his veterans. Yeah, it does. It just does. All right. Uh, Mike Conrad, what's going on, Mike? It's, is it crazy to think that we can make the playoffs next year simply by centering the offense around Emmanuel quickly, RJ, Obi, and trading Julius for picks and an expiring contract? I didn't even see this question before we just had that whole discussion. I think we kind of answered it. Um, the plan makes this question a little bit more difficult. Um, I, I will just say that I think that team would be a little light on talent to really compete for the play-in. And there will be people who will listen to this and they'll be like, you're insane. That team could win 40 games and this and that. Look, could they win above 30? Yeah, I think they could win above 30 games, probably. Um, the playoffs play-in, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not quite sure I'm, I'm there. Um, well, if you're taking that step back, because let's be honest, you you are... You have to look at the 10 teams ahead of you and think which ones are going to drop. And you also have to think about which of them are going to get better. Because if you're like Charlotte, you're probably going to find some sort of answer at the five. And that is a key element to how they can really improve and take a next step. Other teams are coming too. Right. Washington's not too far behind the Knicks. And they've been missing Bradley Beal for half of the season pretty much. 
So it's an Indiana. Like I know that there's this mindset of, Oh, well they're bad this year. So they're going to go into this lengthy rebuild. They're not, this is a retool. It's not a rebuild. So if they try to get better and they've got plenty of cap space and they have a great draft pick and all these different things, like you're talking about a Knicks team that is, you hope staying afloat with where they are. Got to keep improving in that sense. And I'm not sure where I see the obvious team that's going to fall back. Um, that are that's above the Knicks right now. I think I see I see continued like Toronto's going to get better. Um, you know, like all these teams are are not getting worse. Uh, Joe Vogel, hot take: trading Emmanuel quickly, Obi Toppin, and multiple firsts for Donovan Mitchell would stagnate the franchise in the same way that Melo did. He's one dimensional and bad on defense. I would just respond, and this is me. I'll say it, so nobody else has to. Not the biggest Melo fan. Um. They were a couple of bounces of the ball away from going to the Eastern Conference Finals. And I think, uh, look, it didn't happen. I get it. There was also the Billups Stoudemire amnesty decision factored in there, which kind of hovers over everything about how that how that team was able to be put together moving forward. Like uh, the, the Billow trade was the correct trade. And um, I know it didn't end well. And I, I've been harsher than most on how it ended. If this team can get Donovan Mitchell, they should. I think they should probably go get that of a Mitchell. <laughs> proud of you, John. I'm proud of you. Oh, why? Thank you Bro. so much. Thank so you so much. Yes, Bro. that's what I was thinking. Yes. Yep. Uh, I appreciate what, what he did. You know, I know. No, yeah. I, I'm. I'm glad to hear you say it on the record for our thousands of people watching. You know, I don't hate Mellow. I've never hated Mellow. I just got my feelings towards the end there when it was clear the direction of the franchise was that was was without Mellow. That was the proper direction, and I held it against him that. You know, he used the 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 tool that was given to him, right? Nobody forced that. He used the no trade clause, and that was it. That's that's all it was. Do you so ever use your the, audio? Your audio cut out very quickly, John. It's I, and then it went silent for a second. And then I just heard hate mellow. So yeah, I can only assume <laughs> that you hate this man. I don't. You're terrible. Uh-huh. Terrible. Yeah. Did you've never like so like. I don't know how the DOE works, but do they ever get on you for like using personal days or vacation days? And it's like, but I like, they're my personal days. They're my vacation days. Why would I get in trouble for using them? Um, they did. They have not, um, God, they have not yelled at me. But in that situation, if they were to get upset with you, something that's like in your contract, that's quite literally the same thing as Melo taking advantage of the fact that he, I was given a no trade clause. I'll, to wave it when I like the deal, as well as not leaking stuff to Charlie Rosen, so that way he can I get write it. for a, I get a, it. I get a website it. I get that it. doesn't exist anymore. And what was what was that website? That was fanrag.com. Oh yes. my god, fanrag. Yeah, remember that. <laughs> um. By the way, I lost the uh, I lost the super chat stream, so I'm going to try to pull it up again. How? As you do uh, that, just me, refresh it. Hit I'll refresh. just say this uh, in terms of Donovan. Jeremy, go. Uh. Yes, you could look at the defense and it's most certainly not great. You could also look at the offense and it is great. I, I, the reason I say that is because we can look at the flaws, but also embrace what he does exceptionally well. And this year he has taken such a huge leap in the playmaking department. And what is the one thing that we often talk about is finding someone who can make plays and be a star. And I think that I'm still trying to understand what exactly the um, the package might look like for someone like Donovan Mitchell, but if you're gravitating, I, I don't, I don't fault anyone for initially thinking this way. But like, if you're thinking it's gonna like gonna cost X, Y, Z, and and you know all these players, like maybe, 
but I'm also a little bit skeptical that a player who has also not been on an all NBA team, granted it's a competitive conference and, and league, but um, like he's, he's, a, he's, a very, he's a very good all-star and we'll see what happens. But I think as Utah also starts to crumble, if he does want out, there's also going to be the thoughts of like, can Donovan Mitchell be a number one? And if the thought is that he can't be a number one, then his price will drop. And if his price drops, then it also will be dictated by the market. What are teams uh, offering? So a lot to discuss, a lot to honestly see. Yeah. They've we'll, we'll get there. two hideous games, but yeah. Um, I may have skipped a super chat to Andrew. If I did, uh, let me know because I, that you're at, working. you're at the, uh, you're at Juanon is where Oh, see, I don't have that. So I'm going to the next one that I could see, which is Matt Aussie Knicks fan. Um, I, so re- resend me the link. Li- John, the link is right above where you said recent. I know and it doesn't work anymore. So the link is expired okay. or something. I don't know. Um, I'm just going to keep going, Matt. Uh, I can't wait for more IQ OB Grimes, RJ lineups next season. Deport redacted to Pluto. What is Pluto offering? I don't know what Pluto is offering. Are they under the cap? We'll see. Also loving this live pod recording. Make it a regular thing. Yeah, we're we'll uh, you'll hear more about that moving forward. But um, this is not the last time uh, that you will see us do one of these babies. Uh, quite the contrary, actually. So um, get excited for that. 